What's up, lady ballers? Welcome back. We're soccer props, and it's game time. Hey guys. Hi. How are you going? How are you? I'm good. I apologize if I'm still waking up a little bit. I'm, I'll do the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. What time is it by you now? Um, it's six a.m., so it's not too bad. All right. And do you are you training today? Yeah, so we've we've just moved facilities with the club, so it's a bit of a hike anyway. So this is kind of a normal wake up time now. So it's good timing. <laughs> nice. How's the team looking? Um, we're looking pretty good. We had, I mean, obviously last season we had a pretty difficult one, and I think um, we've got a lot of young players coming through this season. But pardon me, but we're looking we're looking strong. I'm pretty I'm excited for this season. Nice. That's awesome. What's a typical week? look like for you um at the moment we're we're training on pitch five times a week um in the gym two or three times and then we're playing a practice game as well and it's just um a lot of video a lot of analysis and just because we've got so many new girls coming in again just like fine-tuning the way that we play because we do play a city style of play which is quite different to what most girls are used to so They'd be like they're pretty big days. Most girls come from, you know, only being at the club maybe a few hours, but we're often there up to six hours a day. So it's it's big, but you know, it's all worth it. Wow, that's a that's crazy. It sounds like you're so busy, and I'm sure in your downtime all you want to do is sleep. But is there anything else that you do during the week, like during your downtime? Any hobbies that you have or any like non soccer related things that you do? Yeah, I often laugh when people ask me about downtime because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I study at the moment. So I'm um, part-time at university. So I'm doing, I try and do two subjects um, every semester at least, um, which often takes up most of what would be downtime. Um, but yeah, that's that's my biggest thing that I have on the side. And then other than that, yeah, there's not a lot of time left in the day, but when I can, I obviously always enjoy going and having a coffee. Oh my gosh, you're probably exhausted. What are you? What are you currently studying? Um, I'm actually doing a philosophy subject at the moment, and my other subject is psychology. But my oh, degree gosh. is. In, <laughs> <laughs> but my degree is in business. I'm just up to doing like all of the electives, so I'm kind of trying to branch out and give everything else a bit of a go. Yeah, I'm pretty traumatized from our philosophy teacher and our and our psychology teachers in at Fairfield. Yeah. Anyway, they're hard. They're hard electives. Well, in, I feel like not that I obviously thought they were going to that philosophy would be easy, but it's it's definitely an interesting pathway that I wasn't quite prepared for. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, can you tell like what was your journey after after high school? Did you play? collegially at all did you go to college did you go right to professional what was that what did that look like um my pathway it all I mean in short it just happened so fast and it's it's really hard when I do try and explain I guess the order in which it happened because I I signed um a contract in the W League when I was 15 and so What's yeah? This is my eleventh season. So since I was fifteen, I've I've played in this league and not really, you know, that happened very fast. So I was in grade eleven, still doing high school. That um, is incredible. <laughs> that you're in your eleventh season. Yeah, <laughs> that's unbelievable. How many caps do you have? 
Um, I well, and we only play twelve games a season, and I, I played in my hundredth game last year, but I, I missed a season because I had knee reconstruction as well. Oh, we're just so sorry apps. about. We're sorry to hear about the injury because, like, oh, we've all had knee, we've all had knee problems and knee surgeries. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling like coming off of that? Well, I had like it was kind of a rough run because if I like backpedal when I when I was fifteen, the first like few years, I'm not going to say they were cruisy. That's not the right word for it, but I was just injury free. It's as simple as mm-hmm. that. Like I I you know I played under 17 national team. I then went into under 20s and straight into seniors. And I I actually played my senior debut before my under 20s debut. So it was like, it all happened really fast. And, you know, when your body's kind of young, you just bounce back from every game and it's all smooth sailing. And then I was 19 when I did my knee and I kind of had, it was about three years of just, it just felt like it was just bang, 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 like it was unrelenting. And so I had, yeah, my knee was first. And then um, I came back from that and I ruptured basically the three main ligaments in my ankle soon after coming back from that. And then I came back from that. And I think it was four weeks later, I partially retore my knee. Oh my gosh. And, <laughs> and then I came back from that and it just, there was just always, I mean, you guys will be able to relate if you've had knee issues. There's just, it's like, there's always something for a little while. Mm-hmm. It's just never, you feel like you're not yourself and you feel like something's always sore. And it's that like mental battle of like, am I actually ever going to feel the same again? Mm-hmm. And I think it took me probably three years to actually feel like my knee was, I'm going to say, normal. Um, And then I broke my fibula. Like I had a really bad stress fracture that went almost, yeah, three quarters of the way through my bone um, last year. So, but touch wood, I'm having a really good run now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you probably have you've been through the ringer and you've been through it all. Do you have any advice for players who are currently experiencing injuries and they feel like it's the end of the world because it's so easy to, you know, think that way? Like, is there any advice that you have? Yeah, I think, I mean, first I have to keep it real and say like anyone that says just stay positive, like, you know, the lights at the end of the tunnel, like true. But- it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like the real, my first thing I say to everyone is like, it actually is hard and like you should let it feel hard. Like I'll be the first to say that, God, I spent so many days bawling my eyes out, so many days curled up in a ball just on the couch. Like it's, and it's okay to feel that way. Like I think, I think we're getting better at accepting that, but I think like you don't have to be strong every day when it's hard. It's, It's actually part of the journey to just let yourself you know, feel those raw and hard emotions. But I think then when I do flip it, you don't notice this until you're probably reflecting. But when I reflect on all of them, I'm not glad they happened, but like every single one of those pieces of my journey has like shaped me to now. And I think that is the truth that you hear from almost everyone is that even though it is the hardest time of their life, the, you know, you come out of it an evolved version of yourself. And I feel like I wouldn't have been able to find out parts of who I am unless I'd gone through those hard times. I I love that. And I think you bring a really great point too. It's like the fact that you felt that low and then you overcame it, you proved to yourself that you're capable of overcoming those lows. So as you meet them, 
again in the future, you've been there, you've been at that low, you've felt that shitty, shitty feeling of, you know, being depressed and upset about it and just being stuck. And you've known that you've gotten over it in the past and that sort of resilience and overcoming lets you face obstacles much easier. It's like the first injury, the first major injury we ever had. And we all had the same thing. You're like literally blown out of the water by it. Like you're like, how am I, how will I ever get back to where I was? But you proving yourself that you can do it has probably let you handle your injuries that have come afterwards with a little bit more grace and a little bit more knowledge and, and belief that you can overcome it. So yeah, I love 100%. that. And I think it also like brings life skill. Like I find, I don't know, like for me, it's like now when something's hard in life, you you almost compare it back to when you were going through that and you're like, oh no, this isn't, this isn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's a good point. I mean, you've been in the league for so long. Do you, have you noticed positive changes in, in the women's sport since you've started? Like, have you seen things progress in, in the direction that you've been wanting to, it to? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's been huge change. Like when I, some, and to be honest, like I actually have to really think back sometimes to remind myself of it because, you know, the reality is we're still pushing for so much more and, you know, women's sport, women's football is still in a place where it does need to continue to grow. Um, but when I do compare back to 11 years ago, it is, it is a really important comparison because it does really show how much growth we have had since then. And even, you know, even from its national team level, domestic league level, and if you look globally, like there has been huge change. And I think a really good one to look at is the English league because the reality is it's just grown, you know, massively in the last few years. And, but with that, you know, the American league has still stayed strong and we've obviously struggled with losing a lot of players here in Australia, but the league is still seen as strong. And so when you've got a big league like England coming through, but you're also not losing the other leagues, I think that says a lot about where women's football is at. And, you know, so many girls are playing in Europe and Scandinavian countries and it's, it's just broadening. So I think one, it shows that we've got so many more girls playing football, but it also shows that the quality of football has gone up and, I don't think that that can happen unless things have, you know, grown in terms of resources because otherwise we'd still be stuck with just few, such few leagues. So, yeah, there has been huge growth because I don't, back 11 years ago, girls weren't exploring those different opportunities because they actually didn't exist. I know it's crazy now, like people have to make decisions about which league that they're going to play in. And it's great that the quality on all the leagues has been progressing the way it is. So it's such an exciting time for women's soccer. Do you have any tips for players who want to play in Australia? Oh, I mean, I, I'm biased. Australia's <laughs> the best country in the world. <laughs> no, I, I guess like my biggest tip is just, I would say it's an incredible opportunity and experience. And this isn't necessarily a performance tip, but I, I don't think there's many people that have come and played here that have that have not enjoyed their time. It's, you know, it's a great experience. It's a great place to be. And I think in terms of the league, like we are, we are really fortunate with where we have come because you are looked after really well. And I think that's something I'm really proud of is that we have created a league where it doesn't matter what team you're in and who you are, that you're valued and you are treated like a human being and not just a footballer. So 
I think that's, yeah, that's something that I would always push for people to know because it, it is important if you know that when you're looking to choose where you're playing. Definitely. I love that. Yeah, well, we're hoping that we'll be coming to the World Cup in Australia. Oh, so absolutely. I would yeah. hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's on our bucket list for sure. Love that. <laughs> what about, have you always played the same position? Have you always been a defender? Um, I, I started more as a right back. Um, but I mean, I used to say that I was also a right back, but I, I feel like now 10 years have passed of me being a center back. So you kind of can't say it anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do still find like with the national team, I've played a few games as a right back or a right, right wing back, um, in the back three recently. So, I mean, clearly it is still a second position of mine. Um, but I've definitely never had the 360 vision to be in the midfield. So credit to any <laughs> midfielder, it's a hard gig. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of my time in the back line. So I don't, yeah, never, never been more advanced on the field, but either centre back or right back. How do you feel? Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, how do you feel? How do you feel like you have developed as a defender over the past 10 years, let's say, like, were, were there any things that didn't come to you so naturally that you had to, uh, you know, Im improve a lot on or, or what were the things that came to you easily? I'm just curious uh, how it's changed for you over the years. Oh, yeah, it's it's changed massively. And I, I often find myself having conversations with coaches and, you know, teammates now that I, I it almost feels like I'm playing a different position because, you know, when you're young, even though you think you know everything, you actually know nothing. And as a defender, I think it's it's a position that just requires so much more than what you think. And for me, I was like, okay, I can I can do the on-ball stuff. I can distribute the ball. I can position myself well. But it's just there's so much more to it. And I think, like, the mental aspect of being a centre-back is a, the game-changer, and I probably didn't learn that until even two years ago, it maybe last year. It's just, and I don't think you can learn that without age and experience and just like the ability to be in control of your emotions and manage the game, not only for yourself, but for your team is, is a really hard thing to do. And I definitely didn't do that well. Um, I would, you know, for better or for worse, I, I am an emotional person. So everyone wants to win and when things don't go your way it's very hard to stay in control of that because the reality is everyone feels what you're feeling when you're like if you're the center back or a goalkeeper and you're starting a lot of play it's if you're not in control how do you you know the rest of the team can't be so I think for me that's been a big change and it's also changed the way I can enjoy playing I feel like I feel like I enjoy the game a lot more now that I'm I'm not so focused on my emotions because I'm actually having fun and even even when things aren't going well whilst not might not be fun like I'm enjoying it so it's I think that side of the game has definitely been really different for me in recent times how do you how do you feel like like what contributed to your growth in that way or was it simply just experience uh, I would say it's a number of things like yes experience is, is definitely one big thing um and I have had so many sports psychologists over the last probably six years that have just, that I've just tapped into. Like I just, it's another big thing. You just have to tap into everyone that you can because you can always learn so much from other people. And 
just, yeah, I think having those sounding boards has been massive for me. And I think we have this misconception that a psychologist is for when things are bad, but it's also for when you want to be better. And so I think for me, that was big, was realising that I can tap into that kind of network without it being because something's wrong. And it definitely has helped. So having, you know, strategies and coping mechanisms to deal with when things aren't going to plan. Um, and also just, you know, just being, I just have a really good support network. I would say that I, you know, I'm really lucky in that sense. And I'm constantly feeling like I'm in an environment where I can grow. Love that. I love that you, what you said about just having a, a sports psychologist or even a therapist. We always say like, it's, oh, you're actually brave and strong if you admit that you want to talk to someone and, and get help. It's actually cool that you're doing that. And I know it's like so taboo and no one wants to talk about it. But I was just thinking, it's like a coach helping you train your left foot. It's the same thing as like a sports psychologist helping you train a part of your brain. Like it's essentially just a coach, an extra support system for you. And everyone should be utilizing theirs at colleges, high schools, Hopefully they start having more and more of those um, resources for the players because it's just so important. So I love that you said that. Um, just really quickly, do you have any goals right now for you personally as a defender or just, you know, as an overall player? Yeah, I mean, my long-term ones, I think are probably the same as most Australians at the moment is to play in a home World Cup. <laughs> um, that's, you know, that's just that is the big goal. And I've always had the big goal of going to the World Cup and the Olympics. And, you know, I've while I've had a difficult run with injury, I've also struggled with consistency and performance, which is, you know, why I often find myself coming in and out of the team so frequently. Um, but that goal will never change. But I think more short term, you know, in terms of my team now with Melbourne City, I'm, I'm big on I'm going to say that we're redeeming ourselves from last season because I'll, you know, I'm the first to admit that we we didn't do well last season and we have high expectations and we weren't at the standard that we set for ourselves. So for me being, my goal is to, you know, really raise the bar in the new group that we have this year and get back on track to the success that we have had at the club in the past. Um, but more personally, it's, yeah, just like breaking down the game and, you know, we touched on psychologists being, I'm not even going to say a one percenter because it's worth more than that, but for the sake of the saying, like that's a one percenter, but then just tidying up certain parts of the game. And for me, my body positioning needs tidying up. It's it's often not like big things that have to change, but just fine tuning little parts of the game to make sure that, you know, you can you can perform a lot better because small changes do make a big difference. It's just the reality of sport at this level. Totally. And having just like that routine and the habits as a professional athlete, I mean, changing small things over time, it actually can change your entire game, your entire life. It's it's a great point that we have to like think a little bit smaller, even though it's great to have the big goals, but um, thinking smaller for the more attainable things to work on is so important too. Um, okay, so we're going to go into first and favorites. It's like a rapid fire and you can take your okay. time with the the answers. <laughs> uh, okay, so what was your first job? Uh, a bakery. Ooh, what did you do? Um, I worked, it was Baker's Delight and I was there very early in the morning and I was just 
putting the bread on the shelves. <laughs> That's like the best job. <laughs> be I honest, love was, bread so much. <laughs> oh, the smell every morning when it came out, I was like, how am I supposed to work here and just not eat everything? Yeah. But what time also, did you start? What was that? Sorry. What time did you start? Um, I was there before six most mornings because you're like, you know, obviously you're setting everything up before everyone starts to come in. So I remember it was when I was trying really hard to save because I was kind of moving interstate and home back and forth. And I'd, we had a rule, like you weren't, if you're a casual, you weren't allowed to work like a certain length shift. And I, so the lady that owned the bakery had two. And so I would work at one of the bakeries in the morning and do a, a shift. And then I'd go home for lunch and ask to do the afternoon at the other one. Other than, other than coaching, that was my first one. Wow. Um, what was your first soccer team name? Uh, Cumberland United. Nice. No mascot? Um, oh, I'm trying to think. It was it was green and I can't remember what the – there was a logo of an animal and I honestly can't remember what the animal actually was, which is poor form by me. I'll have to double check. <laughs> okay. What was the first professional game you ever went to? International level. It was actually a Matildas game in Adelaide when they were playing in the Asian Cup. And I, oh, I can't even remember what, I think it would have been approximately 2008. Wow. You have a good so, memory. I can't even remember last year. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very much guessing, but I, that feels about right because I would say I was about 12. So I think, I think that's right. <laughs> Did they win? I can't actually remember that far. <laughs> Did you have a favorite player growing up? Um, I always, again, find this hard to answer because I didn't actually grow up in a family that supported football. So to be honest, like it wasn't a big, I I didn't go to a lot of football games. Like I I grew up in an AFL, like Australian football supporting family. And even though we're a sporting family, I wasn't always at a lot of football games. Um, But in terms of an Australian Matilda at the time, I really liked Cheryl Salisbury and Joey Peters. They were just two players that back when I was a kid, I really enjoyed watching and I can't help but name some Aussies. Did you ever, I have a random question. Did you ever play Australian footy? They, there's like a team around here that has like oh, some, really? yeah, they play. It's so fascinating. I, the, it it's is. like the best mix of like rugby and soccer. And did you ever play? Yeah. I like, I think almost every Aussie kid has grown up giving it a go at some point, okay. but I, I love footy. Like I'm a diehard supporter and I think it's such a good, such a good sport. There's a whole league here in New York. Oh my goodness. I can't, I can't imagine getting hit that hard. So I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting older now. We can't handle what we used yeah. to be. <laughs> What's your favorite what? soccer memory? Can I give more than one? Cause yeah. it's very hard to, okay. Well, I think my, my biggest memory in terms of international football was definitely making my debut um, with the Matildas and, I always add to that that in I was so young at the time that it wasn't until I had more, you know, age on my side to reflect on that experience to realise how big it actually was um, because I was 16 and it, obviously it's important then, but you, you're not really old enough to actually really process how big it, it is. So the, the older I get, the bigger it kind of becomes. Um, so definitely that. And then in terms of domestic 
football. Um, I've won two championships in the W League and they they have just felt huge. And not that one was better than the other, but the one at Melbourne City two years ago was really special. Awesome. Uh, what's your favourite pregame song? Oh, it's a very good question. For um, artists. For artists, yeah. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't normally listen to this kind of music in my everyday life, but I do love Kanye West before a game. Nice. I heard he changed his name to Ye. I was, oh, seriously? Yeah, I, I just heard that. My sister told me, I'm like, I can't keep up. But he has really I, amazing music. <laughs> I actually play him when I cook breakfast on the weekends. You know, so that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting hyped on the weekends. Usually like it's like Michael Buble. Like Sunday. pre-breakfast. <laughs> Yeah, I'm listening to like acoustic kind of chill and you're, you're getting pumped up. I love like Good Morning by Kanye. I love that song. Oh, <laughs> that's that's funny. <laughs> um, what is your favorite cheat meal? Pizza. Right. How is Australian pizza? Oh, it's very good. But in saying that, I feel like I feel like everywhere you go, as long as you know the right places, there's always a good pizza joint. Uh, you had New York pizza. Well, I actually haven't been to New York, so when I do, I will have to try it. I'm upset. <laughs> I'm upset. <laughs> I'm really it's, sorry. It will change your life once you do it, and then once you do have the pizza, just shoot us a DM. Just give us a yeah. picture of it. <laughs> change your arteries the, forever. Also. The only criteria is, though, they have to have good vegan pizza. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure they, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> they have that option here. Um, okay. Favorite teammate to train with? Bubs, Melissa Barbieri, and why? And why? Um, oh, she's just my rock. I don't even. There's no. There's actually no words to describe my love for her. <laughs> she's she balances me out. She's taught me so much, and she, you know, she started more like a mentor to me, but now she's one of my best mates, and I'm yeah, I'm really grateful for her. Oh, that was so beautiful. I miss the. Awesome. Yeah, I miss, like, the team, like, love that you have, like, for your teammates and stuff. It's, like, something, you know, we're out of the game for a while. So it's so something I certainly miss, like, being around that. Um, so that's awesome. I think that's that's it. That's all we got. Emma, thank you so much for coming on and waking up early to talk with us. We really appreciate it. And oh, we get to come watch you in the World Cup in Australia and we'll try your pizza and we'll be honest. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a list of places to go to and at least then I'm covered if there's one bad one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Thank right. you. Bye. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye.